Coaches Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, and today we had a conversation with Coach Corey Kreinbrink of Napoleon Girls Basketball and how they went a perfect 27-0 season that was just cut short by COVID-19. We'll talk about how he, the program, and the entire community handled this adversity with such class. And we'll also break down what makes this program one of the very best in the state of Ohio. Let's get to it. Corey, thank you for being on the podcast. I know a lot of coaches are going to be very interested to hear about your historical season with, with your basketball team, as well as how you handled uh, COVID-19, and that's how your season actually ended. So congratulations on your season, and thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, thanks a lot, Steve. You know, um, awesome to be here. Uh, it's been a crazy season and, and one that uh, I don't think anybody will forget anytime soon. So um, we're thankful to be a part of it and everything that was involved in it. And, just trying to get through the, the, the current situation like everybody else right now. Yeah, absolutely. I know, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think into the future. I'm thinking, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, people are going to be thinking about what the people that were in it were, were doing. And they're going to want to hear about it. They're going to want to hear about um, the economy, politics, family, and sports are going to be a big part of that. Like what, what, how did the people handle sports? Those are obviously a big part of, of what we do, especially in our society in, in the U.S. Um, I knew you guys were going to be good when uh, I had basketball camp at your place not that, not that long ago and, and working with, with your team. And that's kind of when I really started following your program. Um, so from following your success over the past few years, I wasn't quite sure 27 and 0 was, was going to be what it was, but I knew you are going to be tough. I knew um, coming in that your girls and your program were different. Um, I work with thousands of kids every year. And when I went into your program, there was a different atmosphere in the gym. The, the girls were very intentional and deliberate about what they did. And you could tell in the back of their mind the whole time it wasn't about like, okay, let's just get a little bit better. You could tell they had a vision for themselves and how good they really wanted to be. And yeah, as a coach, you can kind of feel that and it gets, gets you excited. And so I knew that about you. So it's been really cool to see how your season went this year. Can you backtrack a little bit and talk about kind of the, the middle to end of your season going into the playoffs and then, you know, kind of how far you went? Um, yeah, so we, you know, we get off to a really good start. We knew we were going to be have a good team. Uh, we had a chance to, be, to to do some things that had never been done before in Napoleon, but, uh, you know, we were, you know, something 10 or 11 or whatever um, we were. And then um, really kind of when we started really gaining momentum and, and started picking up, we went to uh, a showcase uh, in Berwyn Highland High School. Uh, in Ohio called Classic in the Country, which is it's kind of a national showcase um, from the standpoint, at least in the Midwest, 
from a standpoint of girls basketball. Um, we played really, really well and, and beat a good team pretty soundly. And, and, and then from there, we just kind of, kind of took off and started continuing to play well. Um, we, we won the Northern Lakes League for the first time ever. Uh, and we're the smallest school by, by kind of a lot enrollment-wise with a lot of schools there. So um, to do that and to, to kind of play how we were kind of gave us a lot of confidence. Uh, and then we, we finished the season, obviously, uh, undefeated uh, for, for the first time ever. And, and to be able to go, you know, 22 straight games and, and not lose and, and to beat a lot of those teams twice, uh, to, to beat good teams two times in a season, I think, is, is – really really hard and something we did multiple times and and then we got in a tournament and we were playing our best basketball um, we shoot a lot of threes and you know we, we were shooting 40 and 50 percent of the game from threes and and when we did that we made it made us really really tough and we were locking down defensively and offensively for really finding ways to score and we had so much momentum going out throughout the season and um, and our community support was was outstanding and you know something that kept growing and growing and growing and kind of made a name for itself you know around the state of Ohio really. It really did and, and maybe even somewhat on the national level I know um, the attention that you guys were getting and other people were checking out like this is the the amount of fans that are coming into the game this is the um, the amount of people that are that fired up and passionate about the girls basketball program was really really cool. So take us into how did you find out that the season was going to be over? Um, easiest way is probably start to the whole week. Uh, we, we won a regional final on a Friday. Um, the state semifinal wasn't until a Thursday, the following Thursday. So we almost had a whole week. Everything was, was normal as, or as normal as it could be really through Monday practice. You know, Tuesday morning we actually sold 1,500 tickets in, in less than three hours. Um, you know, then around 2.30 p.m. that day on Tuesday, um, things started really just kind of snowballing. Uh, Governor DeWine in Ohio, he made an announcement about mass gatherings. Um, those weren't be allowed. And by the end of the practice on Tuesday afternoon, um, that morning we sold 1,500 tickets. And then um, that afternoon we had to talk to the kids and the athletic director met with the parents about there's really going to be only about four parent, four tickets per player. Um, that was going to be allowed in. We didn't have an exact number, and, and that kind of evolved. But uh, we knew it was going to be about four parent, four tickets per player. Um, and then, you know, people were really scrambling around. We still left on that Wednesday. Had a great send-off from our community. Um, it was going to be a great send-off anyway, but I think it kind of escalated when, when none of them could really go down to Columbus. Um, by Wednesday evening, we got down there. and We had practiced at a local high school, and – that night is when Rudy Gobert um, of the Utah Jazz, he tested positive for Corona. Mm -hmm. the NBA was suspended. Um, that was, you know, kind of a surreal night in the middle of everything as, as far as the world of sports. Uh, that seemed to create a major domino effect. And by noon on Thursday, pretty much every conference tournament was canceled in NCAA. And, and um, going, going forth, there was a lot, of, a lot of concern from our standpoint about whether or not we are going to be able to play. We didn't play until 3 o'clock. Um, we were allowed to have two people to scout the 1 o'clock game, which we would play the winner of if we had won. So myself and an assistant coach um, went, went to you know, St. John's Arena to scout. 
And then right when we got to the arena, they held us there at the pass gate because the OHSA commissioner, Jerry Snodgrass, was, was talking to Ohio State, and we knew that probably wasn't a good conversation to, to be having from our standpoint. And by the time we walked down to the court, um, the games were postponed, and then I think there was 15 minutes and 59 seconds left on the clock for warm-up. So they actually pulled the, the first teams off, off the court. Um, you know, at this point, it was all over social media. The kids were back, still back at the hotel. They already knew. Um, we got back to the hotel, and we met with the kids right away. And we really held on to the postponement aspect of it. Uh, there were so many unknowns that, that about everything that nobody knew. And we, it was really the feeling of just we're just trying to get everything under control, and they don't want to do anything crazy because they don't really know what's, what's going on. So we thought maybe after a couple of weeks that this was going to subside. And, you know, that didn't happen. And, you know, next day on Friday, OSHA said they actually sent an email so they didn't have any plans to cancel. They're going to do whatever they can to, to finish the season. But then over the next week or two, there's just there's more and more closures. Um, you can see the reality of the situation. You know, my main communication with the kids was, was through text message. Um, I couldn't meet with them. I just tried to be as honest as I could. And, you know, by the time winter sports were officially canceled, you know, everything, everyone was pretty much expecting it. Uh, it still didn't make it easy when that announcement came, but um, I think the it being a postponement, I think almost kind of slowly setting in that we weren't going to be able to play is almost made it a little bit better, I think, from the standpoint of there wasn't the, the initial initial shock of just the cancellation. Yeah. Now, I want to give I want to give you and your whole program credit for how you handled it. I mean, I've been following you on Twitter and the, the girls team on Twitter for a while, and I mean, you have this this dream, this goal, this vision for how you want the season to finish and then not being able to even see if it's going to come true or not is unprecedented. Like, truly nobody – you can't really go back in time until you, you can go to some – like the, the wars for people to even have an understanding of what that's like. It's really an unprecedented time. We were down in Florida – I was watching with my grandpa who my grandpa was in the military and I was like, have you ever seen, I mean, he's in his seventies. Have you ever seen anything happen like this? And he's just like, never, never uh, uh, surreal, unprecedented. How, how did you handle it amongst your team? You said you, you obviously text message was, was really big for you. How did you handle it with such class for yourself, your team, and your community um you know the main message to the kids um at least initially and, and especially going through was which we really tried to focus on the whole season um the whole journey of the season um trying to look at the whole the whole story of our season and everything that we did and and not just focus on on the last couple of days or maybe the last chapter or whatever however you want to kind of phrase that um you know, we, we didn't want to look at a, a disappointing ending to something that, that we worked really, really hard for. So our, ma- our main focus was let's focus on the whole season. Let's be grateful that, that we're in that situation to, for that to even happen. You know, it's mm-hmm. that everything up to, to that point never happened uh, at Napoleon. And, you know, to, to be in that position, to, to have enough talent and, and enough – of resources and everything involved to, to go 27 and 0 is is something that that's that's almost generational. 
so we, we want to be grateful for that. And, and one of our mantras all season was, was to control what we can control and not worry about things that we couldn't. And Control the controllables. Yeah, and our response to adversity and, and, and was more important than the, the actual event. And, and we've got, we got thrown in the, the most biggest life lesson we could with, with both of those things. And I've been really proud of the kids for how they handled everything. Uh, it's taken a lot of maturity, not only just, especially for, for teenagers, but for anybody for, for how they've handled it. They could have, to handle stuff a lot worse. Um, yeah. Everyone's had good days and bad days, myself included, but uh, the maturity they've shown, they've shown tremendous maturity and, and really seeing the bigger picture and everything. And, um, you know, they, they've been um, just a solid foundation for everybody, I think, as much as anybody. Uh, and I think that's, again, probably a testament to the parents and, and the coaches for having that type of impact on, you know, your players that they could handle it as well as they did. Cause definitely not easy let's let's transition to talk a little basketball I know in some of our conversations you were talking about kind of your team's style of play some of the things that you executed and did re really well uh, you talked about some of the transition from you know in the past maybe you did more sex now you're running more of a, a motion offense can you tell us about that transition this season and how you decided to change some things with your team yeah you know um you know we had we had the ability to have five kids on the floor that could all dribble, pass, and shoot. Uh, we were able to go 10 deep. Uh, we really wanted to get up and down. And um, we had a lot of experience and kids that understood concepts. And really, the last couple of seasons, we, we ran into a team, Toledo Rogers, in the tournament. They won back-to-back -back state titles. Uh, they had, had a player, Isaiah Cook, mm -hmm. uh, who went to South Carolina. Who's at South Carolina right now. And if you're paying attention to women's basketball, she. She started every game for them. She's doing her thing. <laughs> yeah. Not, she, not bad. She picked um, up where she left off in high school, yeah, that's for sure. But they're, uh, that's, that's who we ran into two years in a row. And, and their athleticism was just so much superior to ours. And we knew that um, if we were going to be able to have, take the next step, we got to figure out how to, how to make plays and, and, and score points when, when we needed to against those types of teams. You know, last season we were actually tied with them with about four minutes left. And, and they ramped up their pressure, and we really struggled to get good looks. And I think we ended up losing by nine. But we, we really struggled in that last those last couple minutes of possessions to, to get shots that we wanted because uh, we, we were trying to get into different sets. We had 30 different sets um, that, that we ran, and, and we were able to execute. It really helped us throughout the whole year. But um, in those moments where we were playing a team that's really better than you, um, you, you got to find ways to take what they give you. So. A big part of our thinking was just how we take another step as a program. Um, we need to be able to attack those teams that are bigger and more athletic than us, and, and re without re without relying on a kid going one on one or, or having to get into a set. And, and our personnel makeup was was a five out was was going to be the best for us, and it really evolved throughout the season. What did you? Yeah, how did you transition that in communication with the girls and say, "Listen, I know." We ran a lot of sets last season. Here are some of the things that we're going to try to do differently. Because um, last year, if we want to take our team to the next level, you know, the, the plays broke down at uh, certain points and, and we struggled. Now we got to really kind of feed and make plays and read each other as we play. How did you go about that process? 
Um, kind of just exactly like that as far as the conversation initially of, of making sure that we understood, you know, what, why we have to do what we're doing. And, you know, it's going to be a little maybe clunky at first. And we'd always kind of had a five out. It was more of just a pass and cut. And, you know, we ran some, some dribble drive stuff really a couple of years ago. So we had that kind of – a lot of kids had that in their background of, of not having everything be a set. Um, but, you know, we went from basically from having over 30 sets to, to, to almost – we simplified it as much as possible to having pretty much no rules. Uh, we basically have talked about um, creating space and then attacking space uh, we want to get a reversals and, and force teams to defend laterally and vertically on the court. Um, if you want to, if we, we try to almost break it down like four quadrants, we wanted our, our defenders to be in all four of those spots, low and high, um, east and west. And then we want to create closeouts and then attack closeouts. And, and then we wanted to really work inside out. And, and whatever, however we got the ball in the paint, we wanted to attack through the paint, whether that be through a drive and, or, or a pass and, and once we did that, then we felt really good about our, our shooting percentages and some of the shots that we could get. No, you guys shot it well. And, and from watching the, the video of your season highlights, it looked as you, as you explained it, filling, filling those locations and then reading each other and attacking, attacking out of it. Now, everything you said sounds really good. And I know, and I'm sure you know as well, plenty of high school coaches who are like, we're going to put in this motion and everybody is going to be, you know, equal in a sense where we're all doing these things. But realistically, they might only have two players that can really play. And those players need to have the ball in their hands 90% of the time for the team to be successful. What made your group different from the teams that I just uh, explained? Uh, we've got some kids that can play basketball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, like we said, we had, we had five kids that could be on the floor that could dribble, pass, and shoot, and and we went ten deep, and, and all ten of them can can dribble, pass, and shoot, and it's it's something we, we work out really really hard on, and, um, and and I know, trust me, I've been I've been I've coached those teams where you have one or two kids that you they have to dribble, pass, and shoot to themselves, um, pretty much everything to get to get good looks and try to score. So, and we've had our years even in Napoleon where you know we were averaging in points in the low 30s and and we had to we had to keep games we had to keep other teams in the 30s to give ourselves a chance so um trust me I'm, I'm well aware that we were able to do this uh because we have really good players and we try to keep it as simple as possible yeah because yeah. we have that talent and, and we have that balance and, and and to keep it simple and just just make simple plays and and, and also we got to make shots and um, shooting has, has really become a skill in the game of basketball, and it's it's always been valuable, but it's becoming more and more valuable as a three point line becomes a, a bigger part of the game. And and to be if you're able to not make shots, um, you're not only going to get yourself on the floor um, to help your team, but to, you're gonna you're gonna give your team a, a chance to, to stay in games and, and ultimately win games. So uh, we've had a lot of kids that can knock down shots, and um, you know we felt that that was going to be the best thing for us and and it was something that that was again it wasn't real great early on but I think by the end of the season um I was I was really proud of the kids and really happy with with a lot of the movement that we got it, it looked intentional but um we were just we were trying to stay simple and, and create space and attack space and um we got some really good 
good good actions and good stuff out of that stuff. No, that's that's awesome. And your shooting, as you mentioned, was was really important. I know when I had camp, I could hear you guys and players talking about. I don't know if you call it a shot club or whatever that is. Can you talk a little bit about? I mean, it's not like they magically could play, right? And it's like, oh, they can just play basketball. They have to be really good and they have to be really good shooters. Can you talk about the development that you've put in place for your players to have all around skills to be able to play in the style and have the success that they've had? Yeah, you know, our off season, um, you know, we want to be as efficient as possible. You know, every one of our kids plays uh, multiple sports, if not two sports, three sports. Uh, and when you get into the summer and you got multi-sport athletes, uh, there's that's packed full. Their schedule is packed full, especially June and then in July you get into to the big AAU stuff, and you know, that, that even packs their schedule more. So we don't want we don't want to waste time when we have it. Um, personally, I've never never been a huge fan of the open gyms where you come and and shoot for teams and split up and scrimmage the whole time. Um, I think there's value in that, but. Uh, I just felt there's there's a way for us to get more done and be more efficient from an individual standpoint. Um, we have a, a 10,000 shot club, uh, I guess if you want to call it that. Um, we have to make ten, they have to make 10,000 shots, not just shoot 10,000 shots. Um, you know, to, to, we have a routine where they have to get so many workouts in um, for us as well. So usually it's around the 15, 20 mark, and and we schedule times for them to come in and shoot and. And what we do is uh, they have so many shots that they have to make and, and we time ourselves to try to get that game speed um, and try to get shots as quickly as possible. And, and, and really I want, I want them to almost rush um, so they can, they can figure out the speed that they can go at to, to make shots and, and really what it turns into the goal and, and the objective is to get a faster time and make the same amount of shots and a faster speed. And um, we work through that throughout the season. Um, and obviously through the summer, and um, I don't know if it's perfect. Uh, it's something we've done the last couple of summers. Um, the kids aren't necessarily the biggest fans of it because because it's hard and it takes a little while. It takes them about an hour to get through everything, and um, you're sweating, and 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 there's times where you can't make a shot and it stinks. Uh, but uh, if we wanted to win basketball games, we knew we had to make shots. Um, and really, for nearly everybody that that shoots consistently and and is able to be a good shooter, it's take, it takes a lot of work. And I love that. It goes, it goes back to, to so much of just like the, the basics, the foundation is still the basics and the foundation. Like you're not going to be a great shooter unless you shoot and get a lot of shots up over a consistent amount of time. Um, you talked about the open gyms, which I've been to plenty of high school open gyms where I sat and I watched it and I was like, I don't know, but I, I think these kids are probably getting worse by the time open gym finished just because of maybe the energy level at certain times. And it's just kind of like, Hey, we're all just kind of messing around. Um, but you had some things in place that although they may not have been the most enjoyable in the moment going 27 and Oh, I'm pretty sure they'd all do it over again. <laughs> yeah. When you're knocking down shots in, in February and March, that it makes it all worth it. So. Absolutely. 100%. We made 175 threes. We had 12 different kids make threes, um, shot 36% as a team. So um, I don't know if it's perfect. Um, there's certainly a lot of things we probably could do better with it. But um, for us, it's, it's been working, um, and, and it, I think it really helps to, 
to helps the kids to have to come in and, and have kind of a set list or, or step by step or I gotta do this, this and this and this and then I'll be done and, and I'll be done shooting and I go lift and, and, and I'll be good to go for the day. So I think they like that. I think they like a, a routine to uh, to come in and, and have certain things they got they want to get accomplished shooting wise and um, and then I think there's a bigger sense of uh, uh, accomplishment um, when you have certain things that you want to get done instead of just coming in and just shooting. So coach that that brings me into a new a new question for you. I talk with a ton of high school basketball coaches and there's times where I feel like they may be overthinking the perfect way to go about the season or the practice or, or developing something. And then you're here talking about like, I don't know if it was perfect, but here's, here's what it was. And we had a good result. Um, do you think that too many coaches, there's a lot, of, the majority of people that listen to this podcast are coaches, right? right? Do you think that there's a lot of coaches out there, too many coaches out there that overthink the process so much that a coach like you with this off season is like, I don't know if it's perfect, but our players are getting up shots and they're making shots and they're making shots and they're making shots. And while you're thinking about what you should do, we're actually doing something. Do you think that's an issue? Um, yeah, I think it, it, it can be, obviously. And, and every situation is different and every coach is different. But um, I think they, they, you were, people worry so much about the team stuff. And they want to play so many games and they want to in the summer and they want it. And, and playing games is great. And it's, it's something we take – um, we find value in as well. And we've tried to play the best teams that we can in the summer. And we played the best teams we played the last couple of years have been in the summer, uh, to be completely honest. Um, but uh, our biggest thing is, is if you can make shots, that helps so much, so much in everything in basketball. Um, and I don't know what we're going to, how much we're really going to get done from a team aspect in the summer, realistically. You know, we only have 10 days in Ohio uh, with our, as a team for organized activities. So it's not like we're going to put a bunch of, of actions in and get ready for that. We're really, we take a couple of days and basically have some practices, go through a couple of things, put our one out of bounds play in and, and, and then go play games and, and, and see what happens. But um, for us, we want to, to look at it from an individual improvement standpoint. And, and maybe I, maybe I got that a little bit from uh, spending time at Baldwin Wallace, assistant coach at division three, because um, as a coach in Division Three and say you, you can't see the kids, um, there's no there's no organized activities at all, uh, literally throughout the whole off season. So um, it's basically give them some stuff to work on and, and hope for the best from a coaching standpoint. So I, yeah. that's kind of how I got into it um, uh, uh, as far as the official coaching standpoint. So I guess that kind of mindset has, has kind of helped me from a high school standpoint. I think too. No, I could definitely concur with what you're saying. Being a former Division Three player, we we played in kind of a pro-am league that you know the coaches weren't able to to coach coach us, but we were able to play in this league. Um, and then the rest of it was up to us as players. And you, know, you could tell by the time school started again, who'd been working on their game all summer, and and who hadn't. Now you had your experience. Um, helping out at the college level, your dad, uh, what kind of impact has he had on your life and on your coaching career? Uh, well, obviously it's very significant. Uh, he's been a girls basketball coach um, my whole life. I don't know how many years exactly, 33, 34. 
it's been forever for me. So um, from my standpoint, you know, I want to be a, a high school basketball coach or a, a girl, high school girls basketball coach um, uh, without being in a situation with, with him being the coach the whole year and uh, my whole life, I'm sorry. Uh, but just always being around it and, and always having the, the mindset of, of planning and, and planning for that next game and, and how to get better and, and how to be competitive in, in certain situations is, is, is something that's, that's always been in the back of my mind and, and always kind of been there. And um, I couldn't imagine it's weird to, because initially I went to the school and wasn't planning on coaching at all. And now I, I couldn't imagine um, going through a basketball season and not being, not being coaching somewhere. So uh, it's, it's been a whole you know, kind of cycle. And uh, I guess I went through the cycle of being a coach's kid. And um, a lot of times what happens is you end up coaching too. So uh, I'm thankful for it. It's been a very big part of my life. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's done a pretty, he's had a pretty good career too. So yeah, um, I, I learned a lot from him from in a lot of different ways. I love it. It seems like, you know, coaching is a calling and it also seems like coaching runs in the family. My dad's coached for, you know, at different levels and stuff for, you know, 20, 20 some years too. And um, just seems to be something you're drawn back to, even if you don't plan on doing it. That's, that's pretty awesome stuff. Coach, what, separates you like what what if you had to give two things that separate your team your program from what a lot of other high school programs are doing they want to be where you are right now you've become in Ohio and especially Northwest Ohio you've become a standard how do you separate yourself from all the other schools who want to win and be just as successful as you are um, you know, really, the last couple of years we've we've had talent, so that that's a big deal. Um, I don't want to look at and think that that we made some couple of adjustments and and we figured this whole thing out. We've got kids that can play basketball, um, they can shoot, they can dribble, they can pass. We talked about they're athletic and long, um, but not only the the talent aspect, it's a very unselfish group. Um, we have our things that we work through, like like every single team does every year, but. But winning that first district championship three years ago um, really helped, I think, elevate us. Um, the kids grasped the understanding of maybe playing a little less or maybe having a little less role. Um, and winning was better than, than playing a lot or playing with a major role and, and losing. So that kind of helped steer away some of the individualism. Um, and we made that first tournament run. And, 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 of course, our community support was fantastic. And, and they really – really took in the playing in the in big crowds and, and that, the, the things that a tournament run can have. Um, we have a really intelligent group. Uh, we finished top five in GPA girls basketball in Ohio a couple of years ago. Um, we'll consistently have kids at the top of their classes. So, so we have kids that are committed to, to winning and, and committed to more than just basketball. They're, they're, they're hard workers on and off the floor. Um, you know, they want to learn, they want to prepare the week of our regional tournament games. Um, the, the team, players and coaches combined to watch over 42 hours of film night week on huddle. So, and they're not just watching it just to see themselves. And I'm sure they are at some point, but um, they're, they're watching it. They're watching the teams that we're going to play and they want to prepare. And, and we have to force kids to leave the gym after practices. 
um, because they want to stay and shoot. You know, I've never told them that they need to stay and shoot, which is something they've done on their own. And, and when you have kids that choose to do that stuff, um, to choose to do the extra things, um, to choose to be unselfish and, and everything that's involved in winning, um, and you don't have to, to tell them to do it, um, that, that makes things so much easier. Uh, that can really escalate yourself as far as successful level. So, um, so much of it has been the kind of kids that we have and the character they have and, and not, not really anything to do with me. It's just the environment that they've really created. And, and it's, it's been really, really cool to be a part of. That's awesome. A testament to, to your players. Like you can give them advice, but you can't do a single rep for them. You can't take a shot for them. The, the work that they put in is, is in the end, it's up to them. That's, that's phenomenal stuff. Your team this year, you said you had talented players. But from watching your film, you also didn't have a, a really tall team. You weren't a team that could just get every offensive rebound and just throw it in. And you had, you know, like a lot of times you see with, with a really good high school team, they have somebody that's just flat out bigger than everybody else. And they, they just pick up all the scraps and that's how you win. That's not how uh, you guys won. So talk about your talent but I don't want you to, to minimize yourself to that because I know how good your players were. Um, you know, we, we played extremely hard. We want to be as prepared as possible. We probably watched four or five games of every, of every game of the team before we went into that game. Um, so, you know, scouting and preparedness was, was a, a huge part of, for us. Um, we, we want to know as much as possible. We want to know every set and all their actions that they want to get into. So, um, under, and having that and going into each game with that is, was a big part of, of kind of how we did things. Um, defensively, we were able really to lock down people down and we could switch a lot of things. Um, so uh, that helped a lot because we weren't real big. But we were all, for the most part, all kind of the same size. And so that helps to switch a lot of stuff. And, and the kids really do a great job talking defensively. And then and offensively, we, we had to, to make our – create our identity pretty much every game. And, and those, those big games that we won, we had to find ways to win without causing turnovers. Uh, you know, uh, there are plenty of games where we could create a bunch of turnovers with our length and athleticism and, and get layups, but we couldn't do that against, against a good team. So uh, we had to, to really focus on – getting reversals and, and making teams defend and, and not just pass around and shoot, uh, uh, shoot threes and jack up threes as much as possible. We had to really focus on getting inside outs and, and focus on getting good quality shots. And the kids understood that, you know, we try to be as honest as we can with them about kind of our identity and, and, and how we have to win each game. And, and they do a great job of soaking that in. And, and also we, we knock down shots. And when you make shots, you, you got a chance. How did you guys go about the fact that, like, your scoring, you sent me some of your stats, was really, really balanced. There's nobody scoring 20 points every game that everybody just kind of feeds the basketball to. Um, talk a little bit about how some of your, your better players maybe had to, you know, if they were playing on another team, they could have been scoring 20 a game. But the selflessness of the group in general to be successful, can you touch on that for a moment? Yeah, just the, the, the type of kids we have. and. and that's just they understand that it's got to be our shot and not their shot and you know it's it's our points and not an individual points and and I have to give them credit for everything because because really they sacrifice you know some of the postseason accolades and, and you see the players of the years and the 
the all league teams or all area teams or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, they really had to, to honestly sacrifice some of that stuff uh, because so much of that is just stats and, and points per game. And, and, and of course they care because uh, they should care because uh, uh, it's a nice thing to, to, to do and you work really hard to get to notarize for that. But um, they care more about winning and they care more about, about doing things the right way and the way the thing, the way we have to. So, um, you know, I got to get credit to the kids for that, their unselfishness. And, and then, and then we have kids that, that can that score balance. So in order to have a balanced scoring, you got to have kids that can actually, you got to have a number of kids that can actually score. So, so we've had that. Um, and, but the biggest part is just the, the, the sacrifices they made and the, the unselfishness is, that that's what helps us be balanced and being balanced is, is what makes us allowed us to really take another step, especially this year. To because when you have five kids on the court again that can drill, pass and shoot, uh, it makes it almost impossible to defend. Yeah, absolutely. Last question, coach. What advice would you give to your younger self starting your coaching career? Ha, I don't know. That's that's a good question. Um you know, it, I started out and even not even started out, but even up until um, really probably going into the season, um, I, I want to control so many things as a coach. And maybe that was a big part of why we, we, we had so many sets of I wanted to control over who was touching the ball and, and where we were looking, getting our looks and, and everything. And um, I think that sometimes uh, not only delegate, but you guys got you to let go a little bit. Um, and you know, winning basketball games is 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 ninety nine percent of kids making plays, and 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 just as a coach, being try to put them in those situations as much as possible. But kids got to make plays, so um, sometimes to get more control, you got to you lose some control, and you got to let go a little bit, and um, just try to trust the kids to make plays from a basketball standpoint. So uh, that's probably the. the the advice I would give myself when I first started out. Um, but knowing myself 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't listen to myself. <laughs> that, that's probably the best thing. Just let go and try to let kids make plays and, um, you know, whatever happens, happens. That's great stuff. It's all, all a learning process. Absolutely. Coach, I want to thank you. I want to commend you for the positive impact uh, that you've been making, not only with your team, but within your community, uh, that's clear even from following you online. I want to commend you and your program for putting in the work. Like I just love, I love teams and groups. People like I may not be doing everything right, but you can bet I'm working at it. And you guys are uh, a small town, rural community that makes it easy to root for, easy to get behind, especially when you put in. Uh, the the effort that you clearly have and have that community uh, for each other where you support each other in the way that you do. Um, so, so thank you for that. Keep making a positive, keep making a positive impact, keep doing what you're doing. And I know you continue to be successful. Thanks again, coach. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the coaches edge podcast. Your feedback is appreciated, and if you could share this with one other coach who you think may find it beneficial, and obviously a rating and a review would go a really long way. Thanks again. 
and get after it today.